0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jambo jambo. Kariboni kalisani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So in our current series, we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, 32 There are three characters, the father, the son, and the older son. Now the main thrust of the story can be summed up in this emotional picture of the father running to embrace his lost and returning son, who dishonored him by just asking for and then completely wasting his whole inheritance on wild and reckless living. The other character is the older brother. And he sets a completely different example of how not to receive love. He was focused on earning his father's love through merit and through works, rather than simply acknowledging the unconditional love that was always there. But if we look a little closer, we'll notice there's a fourth, fifth, sixth, possibly more characters in the story. The servants. Not mentioned much, and they don't appear to be central to the plot, at least not at first glance. But dig a little deeper, and we begin to see the importance of their presence throughout. It's been 11 years since my wife and I made a commitment to call Ivy our home church. And it's been an epic journey so far. Seeing and experiencing God move, using Ivy in powerful ways to reach the lost, making disciples who make disciples along the way. At the beginning though, after years of being in a leadership role at our previous church, I wanted rest. (laughs) I told Lisa I didn't want to start serving straight away so I, that I could give my spirit some space to breathe. I wanted some R&R for the soul. But guess what? After a couple of weeks, I found myself helping the PA team set down the stage after a big altogether event. A couple of weeks after that, I was officially on set up. Soon after, I was getting up at 6 a.m. on chilly winter Sundays to go meet other droopy-eyed bedhead blokes to offload big and heavy flight cases off a transit van, take them up a dodgy maintenance lift and down back service corridors into the main stage of a cinema where we used to meet. Three hours later, the room's filled with hundreds of people singing, dancing and worshipping God, all with the worship team who are fully kitted up with amps, pickups, mics, all going through a central mixer through to multiple speakers across the stage all made possible by a committed few who gave up their Sunday line and time with their loved ones to lend their muscle. Now, I say muscle, but none of us were CrossFit fanatics or ultra fit athletes. Actually, there was one, but he was the exception. No, we were just a small group made up of doctors, students, IT devs, engineers, teachers, and retired folks. Sure, we might've been professionals with certain responsibilities and targets and deadlines during the week, But on a cold and often wet Sunday morning, we were just a willing group of guys wanting to lend a hand. We know that things like church services don't just happen. But in the moment, it can be easily forgotten. The platinum party celebrating Her Majesty the Queen's 70 years in service at the palace concert a few weeks ago was incredible. But here's what had to be planned out to bring it to life. The power installation, the sound, video and lighting, the stage builders, the catering, the cleaners, the security, the stage and production managers, the hundreds of stage techs, the outside broadcasters, the journalists, the drivers, the camera operators, the portaloo providers, the audience management, health and safety, the wardrobe. And of course, there was the artists themselves and their management. The whole event was a well oiled machine and the amount of detail that went into it was insane. The end result was spectacular, but the work and effort put in behind the scenes is worth at least equal appreciation, if not more. But we forget, because apart from the artists, everyone else's work wasn't center stage. Similarly, behind the scenes for the weekly in-person services, the online services, the faith lifts that go on every weekday morning, the kids work, the young people's ministry, the pastoral sports services, the alpha courses, and a host of other event and programs that Ivy put on are the servant-hearted people who make it all happen. Servant-hearted people are servants, serving with a purpose for a purpose. It's volunteering what's left of your time after taking care of your family, your work, and your personal commitments to help a cause achieve its mission. But in the local church, It's way more significant than that, but more on that later. Meanwhile, back to the prodigal son story. So there are the two sons, their dad, and then there are the servants. This same servant-hearted characteristic in people who serve the church can be found in the servants in this story. So let's play detective and piece it all together. So three places they show up in Luke 15. Let's look at each one. First, verse 17. The younger son, who, when in his final moment of desperation, was hungry enough to eat the slop fed to pigs, came to his senses and said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? This verse tells us that they have more than enough bread. They have food and they have resources. They live well under the father's roof. They're not suffering. They're taken care of. They have their physical needs met, their safety in the environment in which they're working and doing the father's work. The second time the servants show up in the story is when the younger son returns home. After the father spots him in the distance and makes a beeline towards him, which is another example of his unconditional and unrestrained love, because in those days it was considered undignified for an older Jewish man to run. He showered his returning son with kisses and said to his servants, verse 22, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. The servants are well trusted. It would seem they had access to everything, including the precious jewelry and the most expensive clothes. And they knew how to put on a great feast. They were good, no, they were excellent at their roles. They were given responsibility because they were trusted and they were competent. Also notice they took part in the celebration. At the end of verse 34, it says, and they began to celebrate. It wouldn't be much of a party if it was just the father and son eating all this tasty food at the table while the servants were standing on the outside waiting on them. No, they joined in. They drank and ate together with disco ball lights and karaoke and everything. Maybe. Finally, the last place the servants show up in the story is when the older brother calls one of them to find out what's going on. He says, what's going on? Well, Verse 27, your brother has come back and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Hang out with someone long enough and you know when something's off. You know they're not happy even if they don't actually tell you or they say, nothing's wrong, stop asking. Or they respond with, I'm fine, nothing's wrong. Wondering where I got that example from? I'll give you a hint, 15 years of marriage. I don't know if the servants were within earshot when the younger son asked for his inheritance, or when he told his father he was leaving, or if they heard any of the conversations in between. But they lived and worked with the family, maybe even for many years. So they would have been able to observe and understand the family dynamics. It would have been very clear to them the father felt all that time his youngest son was gone and also how much it meant to him when he returned based on the way the servant answered the older brother's question i think they really saw the concept of unconditional love play out your brother has returned and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound they didn't say Well, it's because your brother's come back, innit? And now we've got more work to do, wasting the best meat and prepping for this stupid party. And you know what? I think the servants themselves would have experienced this type of love from the father to a degree. Sure, they weren't his own sons and they weren't related to him, but I believe they knew the kind of person they were serving. Your brother's back and he's safe And that's why we're putting on a feast. Come on, let's go. They mirror and model the father's heart by explaining to the older brother, not just what's going on, but why they're prepping a feast to beat all feasts. They knew the heart of the one they were serving. Someone who sees beyond the betrayal and the naivety to love and welcome back the son he thought he'd lost forever. In other words, They served from a heart of gratitude rather than one of obligation. So to summarize, these servants were trusted to execute their jobs with excellence. They were well looked after and they served with a grateful spirit that was in line with who they were serving. Though they mostly operated in the background, they're the ones that complete the story and make it all possible they exhibited a vital kingdom spirit that mostly goes unrewarded in places driven by worldly success but is essential in our walk with god now this doesn't mean that we can't achieve a level of career or financial success if we only focus on serving for me I've personally experienced the blessings of God in my career by following Jesus and adopting a servant-hearted approach. And this has opened up for me numerous doors of opportunity. Now, what I am saying is that if we really want to walk closely with God, we must adopt a servant heart posture. And that doesn't come from reading books on the subject or attending courses titled Seven Ways to Become a Better Servant, I mean, There's not that many anyway because serving doesn't sell. There aren't many bestsellers on the subject. No, we don't learn serving by reading or digesting information about it. We get better at serving by serving. You just gotta do it. Serving furthers the mission. It brings people back to God. It shows others what Jesus is like and what he's all about. Earlier I mentioned volunteering and how it's noble to give your free time to a just cause. But doing so in a local church or for Ivy Church, for example, it's not just volunteering. It isn't even just serving, it's being a powerful spiritual contributor to bring about God's kingdom, powerful, spiritual contributor to bring about God's kingdom. How can you be a powerful spiritual contributor. Where can you be a powerful spiritual contributor? See, the question isn't are you a spiritual contributor? It's how effective of a spiritual contributor are you? Jesus modeled this essential kingdom trait throughout his whole life and ministry. He was always serving others, even as his own leadership influence grew. I'd say that the more his influence grew, the more people he served, the more he ended up serving. So maybe we don't have the word servant in our job title, like the servants in the story, but to focus on that alone would miss the point entirely. As a follower of Jesus, servanthood is a lifestyle and integral to the Christian life. Servanthood is a biblical frame of mind stemming from an attitude of the heart. If you personally don't know Jesus yet, you can get a glimpse of what he's like by looking at the dedicated people behind the scenes, working with a smile, and putting others' needs before their own. Feel free to reach out online or come visit us in person. We'd love to get to know you and help you in any way we can to understand what believing in God means for your life. And if you're already a believer, now might be the time to either join in or step up your impact. I'll end by repeating the two questions I mentioned earlier. How can you be a powerful spiritual contributor? Where can you be a powerful spiritual contributor? Anthony Delaney, I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.